Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am indeed over-caffeinated and underprepared today. It's my signature look. I'm also... Wait, first I want to in- introduce Nick. We don't want to leave him <laughs> out. I got excited about something, but it's... Uh, hold on. Pause. Please. Also with me, I'm your host, Mary Catherine Hamm. Here's Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. Hello, Vic. Oh, hello, Mary Catherine. That was a, a very interesting intro. I will say, I am, I just want you to know that I'm not actually fine. I'm actually getting fat. Uh-oh. I'm getting fat. So Is this because of your calf injury? Yes, because of the calf in- injury. So I'm By like, the way, I should not concede that that's the trouble. You look great, Vic. Oh, thank you. you well, look- I do wear Spanx and the girdle and whatever else. <laughs> um, you know, I'm all, He's got skims on. I got, I got yeah. That's what they're called. That's, okay. That's, so, that's Kim Kardashian's <laughs> brand. Oh, really? Yeah, you pulled way up. Only way up. the best mm-hmm. for Vic. I can barely breathe. So I've been, I checked on, I wanted to see how long do I have to refrain from running? Because that's what keeps me in check is the running. You know, because my appetites. And I checked the internet about like how long uh, do I have to rest for calf strain or calf tear? The first thing I found out, it's not a tear. It's actually cancer. Uh, it's, oh it's, ca- it's cancer. That's the what calf. the internet That's what the internet told me. It was cancer. The second thing, they said a minimum, a minimum three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks that sounds, at a minimum. That sounds correct. I will be, I'll be, you know, I'll be in a rascal, I hate to I'll be agree in a rascal with the scooter. I'm going to be in a rascal scooter in three weeks <laughs> and I'll be taking myself to buy dialysis treatment yeah. in three weeks. That's how I'm going to get there. This more, for example, this morning, I, I just, you know, I, so I still do lifting and, and, right. and, and weightlifting, which is great. I'll turn into like a wrestler from the 1980s. No, this, this will that's help. This like. helps with King Kong burning calories. That's, that's a thing. <laughs> Indirectly with this, what do you call it? Anaerobic. It's anaerobic. So, and this morning I made myself an egg sandwich because I was, I felt, I wanted to have it. And right. it was on a skillet with butter, two eggs on a brioche bun because I bought brioche for hamburgers yesterday and a slice of American cheese. I'm not mad at it. You're not mad. I'm not. I, that's how I feel today. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeding my misery. So I. But I'm, I'm miserable because first, I'm feeding. Oh, what, I, what I got excited about earlier yes. was I wanted to update everybody that I am wearing a sweater. This is How does a, it this feel, is a though? journey I've been on. Yes. Is it chafing? You know, it's not. It's uh, very soft. I have to thank my husband for this. This is an early Mother's Day present because oh, he had heard on oh, the yeah. podcast that I was on a quest to wear sweaters. And he, he wanted me to open it early lest it get too warm for me to be able to wear We're all wearing sweater. sweaters in studio here. Yeah, this is um Athleta brand, which I'm kind of into these days. That's, oh. a, that's a new thing for me. Oh. Uh, but this is very comfortable. So just to... Just Five stars on the Athleta sweater thus far. I don't feel overheated. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't I didn't, feel itchy. I didn't know they uh, they sold sweaters in your size, meaning small. <laughs> Please. Have you have you seen the catalogs? Oh yeah, they no. have. Cha- they used to be great catalogs. I'm like, wait, I need to get. Don't throw that away. It's the Athleta catalog. No, no, Me and Matt Labesh used to have a running in, joke about it. It's a too inclusive body type catalog for Positivity. you now. Okay, Positivity. gotcha. I got. I see where you're. Uh, I see what you're I, saying. I want to see something I want to aspire to, mm-hmm. not what I am. Right. <laughs> I see some models. They look like they had a fried egg sandwich. Oh, man. Okay. A but fried I'm, egg sandwich. I endorse a fried egg sandwich. It's so good. I love it, especially with lots of butter. Yeah. I go in phases. I need I need very short-term goals for working out. So yes. I had the eight weeks that I did the transformation challenge at, You know, mm-hmm. had a, after I had the baby and I was recovering. Yeah. And then I had a couple weeks there where I was going real hard because I'm getting ready for Bill Maher's show and I got to go out there and look pretty decent, right? All right. I'm like doing my thing. This week, a total waste. Like I'm just like... I'm going to just like sit around and eat pasta, right? Like that's, it's, a, I, it's, 
I think there's a theory behind this, and I think my doctor hinted at this. Not really, but I'm sort of over-interpreting what she meant by this, which is you want to throw your body off guard from time to time so it doesn't become predictable. This is the same thing, and I know your husband will talk about this with the weightlifting. Yes. Like you have to change up the routine because you get into, what do you call it? Is it negative? Right. You you want to... We're doing. I'm doing muscle confusion, except it's entire yeah, lifestyle confusion. You're doing lifestyle confusion. This is this is what we're it's about like here. One week I'm gonna write uh, something for the Substack and a column, mm-hmm. and do a TV show, and do a speech, and work out every day, and then the next week I'm gonna do nothing. Just watch. Yeah. Watch. TV. Just lay binge, in lay in watch. bed and watch Better Call Saul. That's gonna be my plan. You're, yeah, you're big on that. So I'm trying. To, I'm trying to make a comeback. And the sweater. I feel like the sweater is really setting off this effort. Like it's like, hey, a small victory is my sweater. So what is this? Is it is it some sort of a like a combination, a blend, a blend of it things? It must it must be because it's very comfy. Oh, that's nice. I'll have to check it out. I'll okay. I'll give you guys an update. I'm mean, we're always going to do a sweater update. So yeah, well, <laughs> I will it's freezing you. today. So let's. Yes, yeah, speaking of freezing, another thing. What's going on? To part of the re- way I was resetting my week is to give myself a little pep talk, and this is this is how I do that. I was reading a Laura Ingalls Wilder book with my children. The Long Winter. No spoilers, guys. (laughs) No spoilers for me because I'm not done with it yet. But at the beginning of the book, there is an incident where some kids are stuck in a schoolhouse during a blizzard, a Mm. very, very serious prairie blizzard, and they have to walk home to their tiny little town on the prairie, right? So if they miss, they're blinding snow. Mm -hmm. If they miss in any direction, they're all going to freeze to death out on the prairie. I mean, it is very serious stuff. Plus, it's a little house. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> come on it's a very small house alex come on now right come on that was good All right. he's good. correct he's okay. correct so they're looking for the little house mm-hmm. in the little main street and they do happen to hit it so the they they get to their home and two of the girls of the ingles family come inside they get unwrapped by their mother and this caroline ingles energy that's ma she says all's well that ends well you're not frostbitten Go down, go and sit beside the stove and warm yourselves. Done and done. And that makes my upper class suburban white lady anxiety really, really shamed, right? Like I look at Caroline Ingalls and I'm like, okay, I probably shouldn't be freaking out about anything. Well, I'd also think about all the things they could do. They were so productive because they didn't have to worry about things like we do, like social media. Well, you know, my mentions. <laughs> My mentions are, are very important to me, <laughs> much like walking to the well in a blizzard was important yeah. to the Ingleses. Churning know? butter. There's a lot of butter churning. God, they lived a hard life, man. Didn't the dad, he played a fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> the, up, the dad played a fiddle all the way to endangering his family many, many times. This is a problem <laughs> that I, I've that been... Right? Look, Pa was a... He, he was a hardworking man. Pa, yeah. He played the fiddle well. <laughs> he loved his children. He didn't always have great plans for how they were going to live life. It was like, we're going to move again, Caroline. Yeah, and Caroline's like, okay, Charles. Well, they were moving around in Wisconsin. Is that All where they over, are? Like, I think they're in the Dakotas at one point. Oh. They're in Minnesota. These are the true Americans. These are the people that settled the country, and they're the pioneers. I love them. No, they're they're Go great. the Ingles pa, family. No, I love the Ingles family. Just sometimes, Pa, I'm like, can you can you put them under a real roof before winter comes? You know, like that's sometimes I'm just like not the sod grass house on the shores of Plum Lake or yes. whatever. Yeah. Plum Creek, exactly. Plum Creek. You got it. Yeah. You got it. I would be fixated on like the salted pork and things like that. You got to make sure you got to 
You got to save them for the wintertime. No, nope. that's where you get the bottom of the barrel. Yes, and and Ma was all all over that. that was, oh, oh, good. Ma that was. was I'm thinking that. about Ma's job. That's yes. that's how I would. Fend. By the way, since Alex has chimed in, we should introduce oh. Alex. <laughs> Who? Mystery Alex. Mystery, Mystery Alex. Alex. We got a review who mentions Mystery Alex. Alex is our producer. And she does not always chime in, but we love to have her voice, especially on young people issues. <laughs> I am the Gen Z yeah, expert. She's, yeah. she's Gen Z, Steve. but she has more like a early, like an elder millennial soul. She's not, she, I feel like you don't have elder a Gen Z Elder millennial, soul. that's right. Gen technically, soul. Are you technically Gen Z? Uh, look, I mean, it depends like where, like what you go by. Mm-hmm. My thing is, mm-hmm. if you remember 9-11, that you're <laughs> I was a millennial. About to say that. And I know that sounds like kind of sad and also silly, but that's like my second memory oh, behind okay. my brother being born i remember 9 11 i remember where i was i was like three and a half so i okay. think i'm more millennial but like i'm uh, open to that's all right conversation all right, yeah, we, we welcome you thank i welcome you, you to my thank generation you. no but we got a review it's five stars thank you for that mm-hmm. and add some if you want to guys the third voice adds a great aspect to an already terrific podcast but i've never heard her introduce <laughs> learned who it is providing some of these takes is it time to formally introduce the world to Alex? So here is Alex Nestor. Without her, we could not have the show. No, so. She's fantastic. Aw, thanks, guys. I don't know about that. I think you guys could function pretty well without me. Yeah, yeah. I did so well that one time. <laughs> we won't talk about that. We won't talk about that. that Mary was also Catherine, my Mary fault, Catherine almost quit. She almost quit. She oh said, gosh. that's it. Wow. I'm throwing in the towel it's, because I really... We, I, we I, did have a misfire one time, was, guys. We did a whole beautiful was, episode. Oh, the lost, a great episode. The, the lost, lost episode. episode. Where Vic and I did this beautiful, uh, quite, I'm not joking, it actually it was, was really, a poignant, really lovely nice, episode, yeah. but we did not get it recorded no, because it that's lot. how Vic and I were. Well, rolled. you I did. It was on the, one microphone. That's right. One so microphone you could hear recorded. your life, you know, lost to the ages, as yeah. they say. Yes. Yeah. You know, someday, someday maybe we'll recover it yeah. and you guys will get a real treat. That was, <laughs> but, I'll right. take, I take full fault for that, listeners. <laughs> that's my fault. I was away at my best friend's wedding. That was my fault. And you can't count on me for technology. I'm looking at this contraption. It looks like from Ghostbusters yeah. for the it's, uh, it's, podcast yeah. recording thing. Or uh, Men in Black. It's like oh, you put in it black. in front of you and you forget oh, you, yeah, everything. Yeah, you forget everything. Yes. Okay. Uh, she is from the great state of Ohio, correct? OH, baby. Yeah, there you go. So now we know a little bit more about Alex. I'm not going to reveal no, everything no, no. at one time. Yeah. We're going to roll it out slowly. Come on now. So she's here for our young people take occasionally with a with a sensible head on her shoulders. I you don't know. know about that, but thank you. Very kind, very kind first introduction to the world. We are glad to have you. Okay. You know who I'm always glad to have on the show? Yes. Who? Anthony Fauci. Oh, yes. He's back. Remember when uh, we thought he was gone? He's back. But first, a word from our sponsor, The Spectator. As the longest running magazine in the world, The Spectator lays aside identity politics in favor of intelligent conversation and thought. From the war in Ukraine to the ideological war in the classroom, from the rise of inflation to the rise of cancel culture, The Spectator has been dedicated to stimulating reporting and analysis since 1828. The U.S. edition of The Spectator has just newly come ashore and is bringing high-quality writing and analysis to U.S. audiences for the first time. The Spectator also covers the best in books, travel, food, wine, Vic's favorite, and much, much more. We have a special offer for listeners of Getting Hammered. Sign up today and you'll receive three free months of this print magazine and full digital access. Plus, they're going to send you a free Spectator hat. You know you want to wear it. Just go to spectatorworld.com backslash special offer and use the offer code HAM, H-A-M. 
I love the writers for The Spectator, a couple voices in there that I love seeing, and I love getting it in print at my house. It's a little treat for me. So sign up today to get three months of The Spectator, plus get your free Spectator hat when you subscribe today at spectatorworld.com backslash special offer. Use offer code HAM at checkout to redeem your offer. That's spectatorworld.com backslash special offer and offer code HAM, H-A-M. couldn't last for very long with really you know useful that. advice well so we have a real a patented fauci flip-flop you see you see that alliteration you, it's nice yes, right it is. that's good a couple days ago he's talking to judy woodruff of pbs and he says that the pandemic is over the pandemic phase so i'm gonna i'm gonna play you a little bit of fauci here we go we are certainly right now in this country out of the pandemic phase Namely, we don't have 900,000 new infections a day and tens and tens and tens of thousands of hospitalizations and thousands of deaths. We are at a low level right now. So if you're saying, are we out of the pandemic phase in this country? We are. So not in the pandemic phase. We're not going to eradicate it. That seems to track low, low level of, of yes. serious infection problems going yes. on right now. But within 24 hours, another declaration to CBS News this time that no, (laughs) no, 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 we certainly cannot say the pandemic is over, Fauci told CBS News. It is not over. It is in a decelerated, decelerated or controlled phase. I mean, at some point, this is all just semantics and, and Fauci trying to figure out how much power he can continue to exert, right? Uh, well, that, and that's again, right. And reflects the problem we've had with pandemic messaging from the beginning, which is he does change his mind so often. Yes. We said this in the last time, uh, last few episodes. Whatever he says today, just hold on because he's probably going to say something different the next day. He gives us a little hope and then he takes it back. He's hinting at endemicity, right? That this right. thing is endemic, so we got to learn to live with it. It's like living with the flu. It's going to be with us forever. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hold on, we're not out of the woods. It's it's very frustrating, obviously, but it's clear there are a lot of people who don't want the pandemic to end. They don't want their emergency powers to end. Uh, so they're going to keep this thing going. That's the first thing. The second thing is he references an annual vaccine. Yeah. So if you're a kid, let's say you're two, you're going to say like you're going to get 20 vaccines in the next 20 years. I mean, like, I guess. Plus boosters. So I guess it would end up being flu shot like, except flu shots are not. Yeah, let's call it what it is. In most yeah, places, that's, that's right? right? That's and right. sometimes in healthcare situations, they require right. sometimes first responders, they require you get the flu shot. Mm-hmm. I would be okay with that as a, a paradigm, but that's not how we've treated these. So if it becomes annual and we treat them the same way that we treated these, an annual that's, vax. That's going to be difficult. Yes. For everyone. I'm, well, not everyone. The I, people I, who want to get them maybe we I guess them. I need to buy more shares of Pfizer, is what they're telling me. It is interesting because he also talks about he acknowledges the common sense facts regarding cases versus hospitalization. Yes. And That's I- all accurate. Hospitalizations down, deaths are down. Even if the cases are rising, the cases are rising, but they're milder. I spoke to somebody, a good friend of mine, who I saw on uh, Saturday night. He had BA2. He's older, too. He's probably in his late 50s, early 60s. He had BA2. He said it was completely mild. And, uh, and then he said, you know, it's thanks to getting fat, you know, being vaccinated. Uh, and then he's like, so I mean, I, I guess I got another six months before I get another booster. I'm not that, that's up to five now. Yeah. I don't know about that. 
Yeah, well, and it, and it, it should be a sliding scale based on yeah. what your risk factors mm-hmm. are, right? I think the question always becomes, what is the limiting principle, right? Because it's not the courts, according to Fauci, because he says they shouldn't nose in on what he's doing as a yeah. an unelected bureaucrat, even though that, that is their function, to, to decide what is constitutional and what is not, and what is the, within the power of the federal government. It's not, like, there's always another day to come. There's always, wait, yeah. two weeks, right? It's never, yeah, we're, we're winding this down. He'll He'll concede a little bit, and then it's like, well, keep your guard up. Things could creep up. Yeah. We have to prepare for the future. And the future catastrophe is always governing the present. Which, like, yes. I'm for preparedness. Meaning the fall, and we assume cases are going to go up when the weather gets colder again, so we're not out of the woods. Ever. In the meantime, he is doing his own personal risk analysis and telling others that they can as well, which yes. I, I guess is an improvement. So love to hear it. Love to hear it, Anthony Fauci, that, that you should make your own personal yeah. risk analysis. He made his personal risk analysis about the White House Correspondence Dinner. Which I forgot was still a thing. It's, well, it wasn't for a while. It was one of my favorite developments of the Trump years is that just sort of got wiped out because nobody wanted to kibitz with Trump. You know, nobody wanted to normalize that. Or do you remember they had the dinners without him? Oh, did they? And so they can do jokes and stand up about the president and he's not there to... (laughs) I didn't... Oh, it was great. It was a nice time. (laughs) And it... Anyway, the White House Correspondence Center is a gathering of – it's run by the White House Correspondence Association, which is the group of journalists that strives to protect uh, the rights of the journalists who sit in the press briefing room and the strictures under which they operate. For instance, like when the Obama administration would only let them do photo sprays or like – an you know, they agitate for more access in general, but sometimes not so much. Anyway – so that's the White House Correspondents Association. They have this dinner that is ostensibly to give a bunch of students scholarships. But what it became was this huge, huge elite media, Washington, D.C. society, and Hollywood nexus where everybody got together for a weekend and you'd see like Alan Greenspan with John Hamm. Dreamy. Uh <laughs> Those kind of matchups all over town. Yeah. And the folks in town, who are powerful but not glamorous usually, really enjoyed the yes. the rubbing elbows with the more glamorous elites who can't the, the better looking coast it, it was their, came here. It was their nerd prom, right? It's called nerd prom. I have been several times. Same. I did I thought it was nice that the whole circus just sort of got tamped down for a couple of years. But now we're back, baby. That's right. Uh, you know by the way, the the, they, the turning point in the White House correspondence dinner, they say was when I can get this wrong so it's one of the main publications. It might have been Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. They invited Fawn Hall from the Iran-Contra affair. Oh. She was a guest. And then all of a sudden, you had to have people at your table. Oh, okay. Then it became and a And then thing. it became celebrities and everybody else who went. I, too, uh, I, I remember going during the Clinton years, and Clinton had gotten so upset because of Don Imus's stand-up that the following year they had Aretha Franklin just sing. So that's what they have. It was fine. That's the other thing. Everyone sits yeah. in the same room and gets like sort of an awkward experience because the comedian, of course, has to make fun of the people in the yes. room. I enjoy the awkwardness of that. I love I that. I like that. <laughs> My favorite of all the ones I'd been to was Daryl Hammond. Oh, is he good? Oh, uh, he was fantastic. And he was making jokes about Chris Matthews when he was in the audience. And it's funny because people were nervous to laugh about Chris Matthews in the audience. Yeah. No, he was terrific. 
I kind of enjoy the awkwardness of actually speaking truth to power a yes. little bit. That did I th- you did did you get did you often get a chance to talk to celebrities when you were there? Not a ton, mm-hmm. but I Any got favorite encounters. I once well, I once had a drink before the White House Correspondents' Dinner with Bill O'Reilly and Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> so that's a that's a who would you have lunch with moment, right? That's. Uh, <laughs> A great, so, you know, you know, the good, the good, the good news is you get to have lunch with Ricky Shorter, but there is a catch. Okay, <laughs> so so I met the two of them. This was interesting for me because Rick Shorter was one of my very earliest crushes. Mm-hmm. I mean, peak eighties mm-hmm. Silver Spoons, <laughs> Rick Shorter. I have since matured and do not like blondes, but at the time, a young, a young <laughs> look at, MK, look at Alex. Michelle Wolf. Ah, I said lions. Oh, right. See, I thought it was Michelle another Wolf. carnivore. <laughs> That's right. From Michelle Wolf the was, Daily the, Show. was the comic that ticked everybody mm-hmm. off, but I, I didn't have an issue with it. So yes, Rick Schroeder, my, my very earliest crush. That was fun. And then I went, the only other time I've been, <laughs> I went and I was invited by an employer to sit at a table. And I was like, okay, I did the whole thing. I got dressed up because I like a black tie thing. I enjoy that. I, I go and I realize like on the way there, I'm not feeling so hot. By the way, this would not fly now because it felt a little. Oh, because it felt a little fluey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was something like, viral. Oh, I don't feel good now. It could have been allergies because allergies sometimes hit me that way it's if I'm time not careful. But I went and I was not feeling well, and the whole dinner I just sort of toughed it out as as long as I could. And as soon as I could plausibly get out of there, I went and got an Uber as I was walking to the door. Now this is key because it started raining. And every single person uh, in that ballroom, of which there are many, many, decided they needed Ubers. I called mine on the way out, got to the curb, and in some wonderful miracle, my little Nissan whatever pulls up. It's the first one there. I jump in. I go straight home to spend my weekend doing nothing but like laying uh, on the couch. And everyone else there is stuck for hours looking yeah. for rides. Because in the black tie, nobody can in the black rain tie and walk down to the Vanity Fair. Well, it's not the Vanity Fair party. What do we yeah, have? Like Bloomberg, the Politico party? The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I made it out. That's the point. What about uh, you? Ozzy Osbourne, very funnily, I was sitting at a table and he was coming down from wherever he was coming down. And he's wearing his sort of those, those purple tinted glasses, the whole deal. And he sees me in the distance and just decides to come right over to me. And he goes, oi, 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 like this, and then shakes my hand. And it was very funny. I, I mean, don't know why. Because you're uh, a celeb. Because, well, he, he might have mistaken me for um, George Takai or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, Lorraine Bracco actually had a lovely conversation with her. She was nice. very sweet. Very mm-hmm. sweet. So, yeah. anyway. So, that's, that's happening. But you know who else was, of course, asked about the seeming incongruency between White House Correspondents' Dinner going uh, maskless and airplanes. Oh, yes. Our friend Pete Buttigieg, yes. in discussing whether various uh, figures of the administration will be going to this event, it is, look, we are in a different phase. I don't hate on people who want to go to a party. It's fine. That's the uh, thing. We're, so, we're not saying you can't. However, a lot, of these, a lot of these people have been lecturing the rest of us for a long time. And this is a very large event inside a hotel ballroom that is Pretty basementy, and I believe you. You do have to. It is very basementy, and you have to show your Vax passport because that prevents you from getting. Well, yeah, as we know, that's not a perfect solution. But so, so whatever. People can feel safe probably going to this thing. You know, make your own judgments. Biden himself is going, which you know he is at higher risk, but he's been boosted and all the things. 
It's whatever. I think they just. But the the idea that Pete Buttigieg tells okay. Brett Bear, uh, Bear that people know the difference between planes. Yeah, here's here's what he has to yeah. say. You just told me you're going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. The president's going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. You're not mandated to wear a mask there. But the administration at the same time is fighting a lawsuit to mandate people on planes, trains, and automobiles, or trains and buses to wear masks. So, like, if you're sitting at home, there's a disconnect here. Well, I think uh, most of us understand the difference between a hotel ballroom and an airplane. And uh, again, a lot of this is about what authorities the CDC has. So even if they don't think we need it at all, they'd still want to make sure that we get clarity in court on the legalities of it. But look, as a practical matter, and I know this is confusing, if you're getting on an airplane, it's your call. It's up to you. And I think the most important thing right now is that everybody's treated with respect, those who choose to wear a mask and those who choose not to. Well, it's up to you if the administration loses the well, appeal. Could be either way, right? Because uh, if it expires, then uh, uh, even if the CDC has the authority, they might not want to use it. The legal side is about clarifying the public health law in this country. The practical side is travelers want to know what to expect when they're getting on a plane, getting on a bus, getting on the subway. Wait, would you like to explain, Vic? Yes, the the I think one of those one of those enclosures has a HEPA filter, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's the ballroom. Yes, airplanes have very good filtration systems. Hotels, various you know spectrum of of ventilation. And is what ten, twelve people per table? Yes, and it's loud, so you got to speak loud, and you're. Yeah. To make the argument, oh, and they're all drunk too. Oh yeah, they're just like spitting all over the place. It's very true. <laughs> The Been idea there. the idea that a plane is more dangerous uh, than a ballroom full of these folks is yeah. just not true. And that, and that somehow that's following the science. And, it really and is the, just whatever the they want truly, it to mean. The thing is truly, well, and that's the question. Is it just whatever you want it to mean or does he not know? Yeah. He may not know. As a secretary he's, of he's transportation, secretary transportation, that the air filtration system is the best way to mitigate the virus from spreading? Uh, oh, great. I'm not sure he knows. Uh, so Biden will be there. Buttigieg will be there. Various folks will be there. And you'll, you'll see yeah. a lot of coverage oh, of it. But this a lot is of inter- glad handing the way, and interesting because padding. just, what, two weeks ago, we had an actual bona fide super spreader, like an elite yes. super spreader. That, that super spreader was so elite, people were clamoring to get a positive <laughs> reading. They were, Said, like, I got they were like, oh, were you at the gridiron? <laughs> I have COVID, so I must have been. There were people yeah. getting fake COVID so they could <laughs> say they were at the gridiron. But we just had yeah. a super spreader. Remember, the the pools in the Ozarks were really dangerous. The Tampa Super Bowl yeah. parade was really dangerous. Yeah. These were super spreaders. No, they were not. But this actual one happened, and now we're just going to do the same thing again at the White House Correspondents Center. It was perfectly safe, the pool of the Ozarks, when it comes to COVID. I cannot guarantee other things. Yeah. I do not. I'm not, big, I'm not big on the public pools. You know, I prefer beach. The ocean can hide many things. Yes, <laughs> but both bad and good. Both bad. Right. Both but bad the pool, good. not a good idea. You don't know how much chlorine's in there. Okay. Oh, my goodness. All right. We have to check in on Elon. We do. Should we just have a – we need an Elon theme song. It's just we, yeah. our check-ins yeah, with him. For our Elon update. He tweeted, by the way I, – I believe this was real. This was not a spoof tweet where he said, I'm, next I'm going to buy Coca-Cola to put the cocaine back in. It's fantastic. Look, I can't help it. I, I enjoy I enjoy him. Someone spoofed a, uh, a tweet of his that said, 
I'm going to buy McDonald's and fix all the ice cream machines. Yes. And he tweeted, look, I can't work miracles. <laughs> Did he really say that? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. So look, he entertains me, okay? I don't think he's the savior of all things, but he entertains me. And he's not um, the Antichrist, but they seem to be thinking that no. he is. So well, now the, the scuttlebutt is, as of today, who knows, that he may not actually buy Twitter, that the the offer was accepted, but he may not buy it. That was one of the stories I saw today. We're still, and there is a long way yeah. to go before these things are settled. Notably, Stephanie Rule, a, uh, is she an NBC journalist? MS, MSNBC journalist, tweeted sort of a Princess Leia message to the federal government w- saying, like, is there any way they can get us out of this terrible catastrophe? It's like, you're our only hope. Saying that, like, the F- FCC and SEC, yeah. somebody could we do something. Government somebody, intervention to Somebody stop. Intervene, intervene on this uh, free man making an offer to a free company that says yes to that offer. Yeah. I mean, that's... Create some executive rule, please, to stop purchases like this. And the Washington Post ran a piece that was like, Washington largely has its hands tied. It's like, well, good. Yeah. and Good. And also, the tech writer at the New York Times, Benzinger, was also saying that, you know, one of the big problems with him, Elon taking over Twitter, it will no longer become a safe space yeah. for, for us because, you know... Well, yeah. okay, so whatever happens here, I do think that the revelation so very clearly of how many of these sort of intellectual elite think that free speech is a net negative. Suddenly. Um, free speech absolutists. Well, you know, they argue that free speech absolutism is this very, very dangerous thing. And then the thing that they call free speech just is not free speech. Mm-hmm. It's not. But we also have the really, the, the showing off of the ignorance on various free speech Supreme Court cases, people oh. are saying, well, what if you can... The, Nicole Wallace used yelling fire in a crowded theater, which, of course, is not actually a standard and was present in the ruling that convicted socialist pacifists in America from for handing out leaflets protesting the draft. So if you're pro that decision, yeah. that's why you would use that verbiage. So let's, let's go back in time and read a little bit about that. Uh, there's also the incitement standard that nobody on Twitter understands. And then there's the hate speech is absolutely not free speech. It's like, well, yes, it is. Free speech includes a lot of bad things. That's that's the whole deal. But it shouldn't, and that's what they're working towards. Well, okay, so let's let's test just how sensitive folks are. This is a Washington Post piece entitled Elon Musk boosts criticism of Twitter executives prompting online attacks. Two days, two days after striking a deal to purchase Twitter, Elon Musk used his powerful Twitter account to elevate conservative criticism of two executives at the social media company, roiling a workforce already uneasy about how he will balance his abrasive social media style and embrace the free speech with his stewardship of the company. On Wednesday, he tweeted a meme to his more than 86 million followers with the face of Twitter's top lawyer. I don't know how to say her name. Gad? Maybe. Vijaya Gad. Anyway that appeared to suggest the company's decisions are affected by a left-wing bias. The tweet came hours after he criticized a 2020 policy decision Gad made and was in response to an earlier tweet from a political podcast host calling her the company's, quote, top censorship advocate. Now, I want to read to you the quote. The attack. This is what he said. Suspending the Twitter account of a major news organization for publishing a truthful story was obviously incredibly inappropriate. He says this in reference to the New York Post being suspended over the Hunter Biden laptop story. Twitter itself, Jack himself, has admitted 
that this was a bad decision. The woman he's talking about, who he does not even mention by name, was in charge of making that decision and then went on Joe Rogan's podcast to defend that decision. This quote, you may think Elon Musk is a troll or a jerk at other times. This quote is so within bounds, it hurts. And this is what they argue is beyond the pale. There, ne- there needs to be a whole national news story about how beyond the pale this is. In terms of the panicking and the terrified workforce, like what are they picturing on Elon's first day? Are they picturing like, you know, when when the Wehrmacht entered Paris and you have all the French people on the side on the sidewalk, they're crying, you know? Well, I mean, there, <laughs> there is the Arc de Triomphe, the famous guy, his tears coming. Is that what is that what's going to happen there in there, San Francisco? Look, there is crying. There, there is. is. I mean, well, there is actual first of all, crying. First of all, they're not in the building in, in San Francisco, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, so right. there can't be communal crying. There can that's only true. be Zoom crying. But there was crying from this this the lawyer in question who was in charge of making that bad New York Post decision about the changes that will come and mm-hmm. this very complex algorithm and, I mean, censorship regime that they have created. People are right that it is complex to do moderation, right? It's not always the simplest thing, but a friend of mine tweeted and put it much more succinctly than I did. The less you try to do, the more simple it becomes, Mm -hmm. right? Do the worst, worst stuff and leave the political conversations to a more speech philosophy and let people have tools to limit what they see. Again, I was thinking about Ari Melber's concern the other day about how Twitter as a private company can be used to suppress certain information, promote certain information, presidential candidates and have this power of manipulation. Could it indeed? I'm wondering, I think he has a point. What happened if, for example, Donnie Jr. had a laptop and the, the, and, and, and Elon Musk decided to suppress that information? Yeah. What would they do? I know. That would be C. That would be bad. I mean, nothing like that has ever happened. Ever. So I don't ever. know why we would, I don't know why we would go searching for these hypotheticals. No. Uh, you know? You know, again, what happened, what we're seeing is their vision of content moderation is really, a, a lot of it is leave it to us. And this is a, an ongoing thread, but leave it to us. We know better. We know we can help decide what is truthful and what is not truthful. And as we're seeing, a lot of insane things, insanely true things, are being suppressed. So any yes. discussion about COVID, for example, you know, it, it, by, at the By time, the way, people have been suppressed. testing that over the past couple of days. They have. Uh, once. Because, okay, yeah. look, I have not looked deeply into this, but the theory is that they're sort of uh, letting go of the reins over at Twitter HQ in hope that some of their darker secrets will not be oh. revealed once things might become more public. Yes. So anecdotally, some are noticing that they're getting more engagement, uh, that they're seeing folks on their on their uh, feeds that they haven't seen but followed, that more, more things are available uh-huh. to them. And then several people have joked that they're testing the system by just tweeting HCQ and ivermectin tweets, (laughs) which are staying up. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a test. By the way, this is this is a side note, but just on the on the theme of workplaces becoming sort of yeah so emotional. Libs of TikTok, which we talked Uh about being banned briefly from Twitter, has an internal video from an Amazon HQ Zoom meeting about. Matt Walsh, a conservative writer with Daily Wire, did a children's book that sort of a spoof on the gender ideology. Yes. And it is uh, sort of top of the LGBTQ category on Amazon because that's how their algorithm works. That's the category, yeah. And look, the breakdown that folks were having 
made me want to do something I've never done before, which is like buy a Matt Walsh book. Like I don't, I know. I, I'm not here for the content, but I'm, I, this idea where you just sort of emote yourself into banning a book. Yes. Happens on both sides. These Amazon folks are like, Oh, we can't have this. The book's still for sale. That's what they keep saying. The book is still for sale. It's like, yes, yes. How can you write something and, and, and be allowed to have people buy it? Like Abigail Schreier's book is still for sale. We need to stop that. Well, I mean, they tried this with Ryan T. Anderson. Yeah. But it is amazing how upset they are about yes. this. Because again, their ideology is being, they're not used to being challenged. And this is the whole panic with Twitter, for example, and, and, and social media platforms. This is their space for truth. Yeah. And what, it just so happens to be a coincidence that what they believe and what their opinions are, are actually true yes. and factual. Yes, which is great yeah. because now we have a disinformation czar. Oh, no. Yeah. Really? That's a real thing we're doing. That's sort of, by the way, the news cycle is so insane that this sort of went under the radar. Like, it's not the biggest story. Insane. We, The United Do States tell. of America has a disinformation czar under the Department of Homeland Security. She was just named this week. Her name is Nina Jankovic. She was a, she's been a scholar on disinformation. I didn't know you can be a scholar of that. Well, that's a thing. Okay. Actually, you, we, close listeners to Getting Hammered will know her from a brief clip that we played uh, at the beginning of the Ukraine hostilities where she discussed how to pronounce Kiev. She was, she was our <laughs> helper on that. Oh, good. So, that, it, so yeah. I started seeing her face and I was like, I know that chick. I was like, oh, she's the one who told me how to pronounce. So I, I guess Keeve. in that case, she was doing good for the information sphere, right? She was telling us how we should properly. <laughs> I guess. But I can't I can't say that I trust all of her So what she, she's basically a minister of truth? I mean, Is that honestly, what we're talking it's about? very, very close to that, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's very close to that. Um, a new board at the Department of Homeland Security will focus on countering misinformation and disinformation. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas told lawmakers today with Wilson Center fellow Nina Jankovic separately confirming that she would be executive director of the board. During a hearing before the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security to discuss the president's fiscal year 2023 budget request. Oh, that sounds like a real entertaining show. Representative Lauren Underwood stated that disinformation is a, quote, huge threat to our homeland. It said Mayorkas has noted that it's, con- it's a concern of yours at the border with human smuggling organizations peddling misinformation to exploit vulnerable migrants for profit. Citing the Senate Intelligence Committee's report on tactics used in the 2016 election campaign, she added that, quote, foreign adversaries attempt to destabilize our elections by targeting people of color with disinformation campaigns. Yes, disinformation and misinformation are real things. The problem is that having the federal government tell you which are which is a can we bleep this? What in the Orwellian f***ity f*** are we doing? I really hope, I really hope that they use their powers for good and <laughs> and that they will suppress disinformation like these Hunter Biden emails, which can't possibly be true, or the White House visits by Hunter Biden's business partner more than 20. I hope they, I hope they suppress that because that can't be true. No. It must not be true. And what, you know, anytime it appears, what we can do is we can just cut it out of the articles in the newspapers and we put it down a little vacuum tube, a, a sort of pneumatic tube. <laughs> the pneumatic tube. Yeah. That's a, that's a throwback. Yeah. Thank you. I just read the book, as you know. So here, here's a, a, a sampling of tweets. Mm. There's always a tweet, guys. This is a tweet from 10-22-2020 from Nina Jankovic. 
Back on the, quote, laptop from hell, apparently Biden notes 50 former NATSEC officials and five former CIA heads that believe the laptop is a Russian influence op. Mm-hmm. Okay, that wasn't true. That was that th- was what one might wo- call you... disinformation. And you're telling me this is the woman who's going to be yes. leading the Ministry of Truth. Yes. Great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <sighs> she also she went on to say, that the emails don't need to be altered to be part of an influence campaign. Voters deserve that context, not a fairy tale about a laptop repair shop. Well, it turns out that the fairy tale was true. And again, to, and I, again, it would be fine with me if she got this yeah. wrong, if she were not in charge of disinformation battling with the federal government's power behind her. You know, on, on our show and on the other podcasts I do, The Subbeacon, we always make room for corrections. Do you think they'll have corrections at the Ministry of Truth, they'll say, oh, correction, the laptop story, we've, I mean, we've looked into it. It's, well, it's the, it will be on the same now-it-can-be-told schedule oh. of the New York Times. So whenever it's unnecessary to have that narrative anymore, mm-hmm. we will have an update, I assume. Um, she also said, intelligence community has a high degree of confidence that the Kremlin used proxies to push influence narratives, including misleading or unsubstantiated claims about President Biden to U.S. media, officials, and influencers, some close to President Trump. A clear nod to the alleged Hunter laptop. So, so there you go. We're in the best of hands. She does know how to say Kiev, though. That's good. Kiev. You know, it, it, it's enough to make you want to drink at 1130 in the morning. What should we have? Well, one, one publication dares to say that the spirit of 2022, Vic, mm-hmm. is a Jaeger, Meister, Vic. We need Vic's take on this. How much time do we have? <laughs> as much as you want, my friend. Okay, good. All right, here we go. It is not a surprise that they're trying to make this move and making Jaeger to be, like, respectable. Okay. Respectable. So Germans, this is a German drink. It's a, it's, it's a digestif. They love the digestifs. And I'm not talking about we're going to do crazy shots. They will take one after dinner. And it helps calm the stomach, as they say. It'll so, help you so you're sleep. telling me that the Germans sip Jaeger? Yeah, Ooh. yeah, we can have it because if there's anything you want, it's for that taste to last longer. Well, no, this is what's crazy. Okay, hear me out. Hear me okay, out, Mary all right, Catherine. All right. I'm listening. Uh, it tastes like coffee syrup, like uh, cough syrup. Coffee, sorry, it tastes like cough syrup, but it is not all that different from the Italian digestifs like Amaro, Fernet Branca, which is very bitter. This is bitter. And all they're saying is, why can't we be treated like for no one's making jokes about Fernet or for Amaro? Like, we want to be them. And you don't have to like it, but nobody makes fun of it. And that's what they want. Here's what's interesting, of course, is Jaeger owes its very success to the frat culture. Yes. Right? And what happened was the great Sidney Frank, who is later the inventor of Grey Goose, in late 70s, early 80s, he purchased, as a distributor, he purchased Jägermeister, which was very popular in the German immigrant community, but they only sold about 300 cases a year. Okay, remember that, 300 cases a year. He had an idea of going to college campuses and having beautiful women go up to guys who are already drunk in the bar. <laughs> and what do the guys like to do when they have a lot to drink? They like to take it to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. You start with beer, and then you start doing shots, and then you start doing shots of things that you can barely get down, like cement mixers or this or that. But here's something that's not as bad as a cement mixer. It tastes like cough syrup. Can you do it? And it's a sign of your sort of your your toughness and your macho-ness. It's very, man, you're going to do these Jaeger bombs and Jaeger shots. 
And Sidney Frank says 80% of guys will say, yeah, they're not going to turn down a drink from a beautiful woman. And so it became a hit. And from 300 cases, it now sells over a million cases. Wow. Seriously? Yes. And you can find out more in a book called Vodka. How a colorless, odorless, flavorless spirit conquered America. Available on Barnes and Nobles and Amazon. This is fascinating. First of all, I told you I, I could don't, go on forever. On I this. don't like. I don't. I don't love Jaeger. It's got that licorice. Do you taste. like? But do you like those other kind of licorice coffee? Li- <sighs> Digestives. Like I mean, it's not my. Have favorite. you ever had Fernet Branca Amaro? I think I've had Zambuca. Amaro. I yes. have had Sambuca. Yes. You don't like them, or you do like? I don't. Them. No, I don't like okay. them. They're all too right, much. Well, They're we'll, too much for me. I will say this. I like the Jaeger logo. It's very oh, it's cool. very German. Have very you ever cool seen? The, do you remember from like a year or two ago the Jaeger commercials? They were actually scary. <laughs> they were like Jaeger clubs, but they looked like really scary. Like I, I don't want to be at that club. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, well, yeah. you know, it is a symbol of our toxic masculinity problem. That, that's right. That's right. That's well, right. look. Well, the same idea of having beautiful women go to bars. That you can't. I don't know. if You can do that anymore. I don't think you. That's can. not a. Problem. Well, yeah, somebody does. Bud Light does that somewhere, doesn't it? Bud Light Lime. <laughs> I hope Surely. They do. That was that was the thing. Like when I was in college, yeah, there were always people Try, uh, around selling the newest. Try, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and they're so product. friendly. Actually They're so friendly. <laughs> you know you know who used to you know who used to do this? I believe our friend uh, Alex Pazdro. Really? Yeah. yeah when, Alex, I want to know why don't we get hot dudes in the bar? Giving yeah. us drinks, You know? Well <laughs> I actually I only get all of you. I only get, I only like get men in, in bars like, hey babe, can I buy that, you a drink? And the yeah, answer, but well, and I, I'm like, no, go away. I'm with my girlfriend. But I would away. like no unless but I, they're attractive, then you would say yes. Well hypothetically. Maybe. I mean Well like, here's what I'm saying is I don't get a, I don't get a guarantee that they're <laughs> hot. Like as a, a condition of employment, right? Yeah, true. Unless I go to the right bar. I would. <laughs> so this also reminds me. Okay, this new Abercrombie and Fitch documentary. Have you yes. guys watched this? Basically, the I same watched thing the trailer, and now I'm cases. getting all sorts of suggestions for gay cinema. Yeah, well, then <laughs> there's nothing that. wrong with you that. Found, I'm just you're saying found, you found your way into a yeah, well, algorithm. What, what what Sunny Bunch said to me because oh, so normal then. Yeah, it's normal. Yeah. What I have. Okay, go ahead. I just feel like I have indigestif just thinking about this whole <laughs> Sorry. I'm so gonna... you were watching, did you watch the documentary? The I did, time? and it was really interesting. I mean, okay. So interesting good, interesting bad. It was. In- it started off like interesting, and I was like, how is this stuff kind of legal? And then I was like, well, of course, there aren't going to be laws against all of this. It's just kind of crappy people doing crappy mm-hmm. things, as people who are crappy tend to do. And then it was like... This company is very racist. And it was like, well, yeah, they did just kind of cater to, like, pretty yeah. white people. It was, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't have minority, like, Adonis's. No. Well, I don't actually think, yeah, I don't that, actually think oh, they did. You know I what I would like? Didn't. I would like the class action, action suit against the cologne smell coming from oh my inside. You can yeah. smell that. Well, I don't. I mean, yeah, if you yeah. were in a mall, which I no one is. But didn't but, you feel, didn't you feel, I don't know about you, but, I, you know, the, the few times I walked in there, I feel intimidated. Uh, I, mean, I think because, that was the you know, idea. Yeah. It was supposed to be aspirational. Oh, well, well that's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Also, speaking to you know a store catering to women, they would have the hot guys out there in but front not, of the store. I always store. thought they said a guy this and a girl, but it was just the guy. I don't remember ever seeing girls out in front of the store, but uh-huh. they would have like the hot shirtless dudes out with the didn't, Santa hats at Christmas time. Didn't Abercrombie have its start as like an outdoor brand? It does. Yes. I liked when I started yes. going. Do they talk about that on the documentary? Because that's when I went to Abercrombie because I'm ancient. In 1898. Yes, when that's it when I was there. That's when I was there, and I, I, I have a, I have a tie from Abercrombie, and it still has the old logo, and it was very woodsy. It's like we're gonna, yeah. you know, go out and you know with the hounds. Yeah. Well, this is actually the beginning of 
Vic's editing career. You know how Hemingway got those short clipped sentences. It was a that's a Vic special. He was all over that. They shopped together, and then they worked on some <laughs> oh, of no, his me, novels. Oh, yes. oh, me and uh, Papa. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. you that, guys that's got together. Yeah, that's right. That's Vacationed right. Was, in, uh, in Key right. West with the six-toed that's cats. Right. And it went, oh, yeah. it went, you know, went, went, went to Kilimanjaro. Yes. <laughs> Actually, you did that, not in me. Your well, you had, a calf, you had a calf I, injury, so I you did. couldn't make it all the way up. I couldn't make it all the way up. No, I made it to the, uh, the coffee bar. Okay. I think that wraps up. I think we're good. Okay. Another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tell your friends. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack. You can follow me at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thanks for being with us. Leave us a review. Hang out with us. We appreciate you being here. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs>